Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. We've been told before that we should study the Bible for all it's worth. But what is it worth? What's it worth to you? What's it worth to me? What is it worth to your children? What is it worth to your grandchildren? What is it worth to the future of your family? What is it worth to the future of our country? And what was it worth in the past in our country? We want to take a look at those things here today on Viewpoint, and I'm glad that you've joined us. Again, it's always conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and whenever we talk about the Bible, We have to be talking about conviction. I remember going to a number of Billy Graham rallies, one in Los Angeles, and what Billy Graham was always known for saying is, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. Today, we don't hear much of that. Have you noticed that? We don't hear much of that even in our churches today. We just don't. In other words, the Bible has actually lost much of its convicting authority and power. In fact, in many respects, we're embarrassed of it. We're embarrassed to talk about the Bible says because, well, we've convinced ourselves the majority of Americans don't give a rip anyway, so we're going to find some other authority other than the Bible. Maybe, just maybe, that's one of the big problems that we've had. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we ended up with Roe versus Wade in 1973. Think about it. Just think what had happened to the authority of the Bible in in the 1960s, eroding into the 1970s, and by 1973, the Bible had virtually lost its authority. Even Congress was nervous about it, and in 1983, had to declare the year of the Bible. Why? Because they had been convinced that the Bible had lost its authority in our country. But Has the Bible lost its authority in your life? Has it lost its authority in your family, among your children, your grandchildren, and so on? Today on Viewpoint, we're going to be taking a very particular look at this in the context of America's Christian history. A Christian history magazine, the the title of this particular issue is called America's Book. How the Bible Helped Shape the Church. And our special longtime friend, Michael Austin, is joining us to talk about this. But, Michael, before we get rolling, I wanted to share with you and with our listeners here some statements coming from some of our earlier founders. For instance, Noah Webster. Noah Webster is the one who is known for the dictionary. Here's what he said. The moral principles and precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all our civil constitutions and laws. All the miseries and evils which men suffer from vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war proceed from their despising or neglecting 
the precepts contained in the Bible. Seems, friends, that we've either despised or neglected the precepts, and that's why we've ended up where we are today. He went on in 1833, the next year, to state, the Bible is the chief moral cause of all that is good and the best corrector of all that is evil in human society. It's extremely important, he said, to our nation, in a political as well as religious view, that all possible authority and influence should be given to the scriptures, for these furnish the best principles of civil liberty, the most effectual support of republican government. So he said the principles of genuine liberty and of wise laws and administrations are to be drawn from the Bible and sustained by its authority. The man, therefore, who weakens or destroys the divine authority of that book may be accessory to all the public disorders which society is doomed to suffer. Which political party in America is known for weakening, destroying, or disregarding, or even mocking the precepts of the Bible? I'm going to let that you answer that rhetorically in your own mind and heart. It doesn't take a Philadelphia lawyer to figure it out. And it's that particular party that is accessory more than any other to the public disorders which society is suffering. Again, you're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny, friends. There are no neutral viewpoints. And our special guest has viewpoints also, Michael Austin, who has always represented uh, Christian History Magazine with such uh, uh, authority and uh, uh, grace. And, Michael, it's good to have you back on the program. Well, it's so great to be with you today. This is an important day for many, many reasons. And thank you for that extraordinary introduction to our subject. Um, The conviction that I hear in your voice is one that I share. There's a couple of other words, by the way that uh, I rarely hear, and one of those is liberty, and the other is freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that means that we are in very big, uh, we're, we're, in, we're in trouble. Yeah. We're in trouble. Absolutely. And quite frankly, we would never have had Roe versus Wade if the Bible had been the premier authority in our country at that time. It would That's never right. have happened. That's right. Yeah. And uh, in, the, in the discussion that I'm hearing today about that, and hallelujah for that, uh, for, for what has happened, but people are so confused on what this actually is, and we have the President of the United States getting up and making a speech and misrepresenting. I mean, the speech was filled with misinformation. So I, I hope that speech is going to be the first uh, uh, presentation taken up by the, uh, by the so-called truth police that he's wanting wanting to put into office but my gosh what what a sham to to hear such a misunderstanding of the history of roe versus wade yeah and uh and and what it actually is in reality and the solemnity of roe versus wade because it reveals an absolute total rejection of the authority of the bible thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not murder so it also rejects the whole idea that children are a gift from the Lord and blesses the man who has a quiver full of them. Uh, it, it violates the entire spirit of the scriptures. And uh, so anyone who would continue to support it, but fundamentally, by definition, is against the authority of the Bible. 
It's simple. I'm so glad that you are recognizing uh, the, the, the real issue here, which I think is authority and law. Mm-hmm. Those two words go together. Um, and what is what this uh, what this day is, is uh, the meaning of this uh, action today is a return to something called law. Uh, we used to be another phrase that we hardly hear anymore is that this, this is a nation of laws. When was the last time you heard that? Yeah, a laws and not a men. Yes. And even Thomas Jefferson oh, okay. wrote a letter to John Adams, the second president of the United States, and he said, the Bible is the best book in the world. That was Thomas Jefferson. Interesting. We'll be right back with you, uh, Michael, and our friends out there in listening audience today concerning Christian history and America's book, the Bible. Stay tuned, friends. Much on the agenda. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. It's issue 143, 143 for Christian History Magazine. This title, America's Book. And quite frankly, it may be one of the more important issues because whenever we go to the very foundation of things, we have to go back to the Bible. We can talk about Christian history till we're blue in the face, but if we don't go back to the Bible, we miss the whole thing because that's the foundation. And so today, Michael Oskin joining us. Michael, before we head into some further discussion concerning the magazine, uh, you have been personally struggling uh, with a severe, uh, deadly disease. Is it fair to talk about that for a moment? Yes, of course. All right. And that disease is called pancreatic cancer, isn't it? Yes. And um, what a blessing it has been. I uh, I have been uh, criticized by <clears throat> referring to this as uh, or 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 framing what I'm going through as call it old joy because um, you know we uh, we serve a a holy God and He delivers the rain to those who are righteous as well as those who are not and so what He has shown me since I received this diagnosis, is that he is uh, a God of mercy, a God of love, um, and that he loves us beyond measure. Uh, He loved us even when we were in sin. Um, And he sent his uh, beloved uh, one brought forth son that those who believe in him might not perish, but possess everlasting life. And I hold on to that verse um, uh, with, with great, great passion. Well, like a dying man hang, hanging on to the, the uh, broken uh, pieces of a ship. Well, that's, that's, 
yes, <laughs> that's true. And that uh, that broken piece of ship, uh, of, of ship, if you will, uh, that timber, um, perhaps upon which he was nailed and uh, and uh, and uh, pierced, uh, is keeping me uh, faithfully uh, in his hand. And I'm so grateful um, that he's given me faith and uh, a, a lasting faith. This is a supernatural God. Yo. And uh, he's the only one that I know that answers prayer. But what he's done is he has, re- well, first of all, he plunged me into self-examination, uh, which is a wonderful thing to do. We should be doing that every day, as Paul instructed us, that that's what we should be doing. And then uh, I was reminded, he reminded me gently and lovingly um, with uh, the very, very sweet words of, you know what, I love you. You are a child of mine. You are a son of mine. And uh, you are firmly in my hand. Well, you know what, Michael, I want you to know uh, that I love you too as a brother in the Lord. Uh, We have had wonderful communion over the air for so many, many years now, and it is always amazing fellowship, and I come away uh, feeling the warmth of the Holy Spirit uh, having anointed our conversation together. And so this is a good time for you to be sharing some of those things. But one of the things that you you mentioned, the email that you sent, counted all joy. And when I received that, I thought, now here's a man who understands the Bible. Here is a man who really understands the spirit of walking with the Lord in the light of his word. And uh, it was such an encouragement to me, even though I knew that you were in the normal uh, course of things under a, a death sentence. Uh, how, do you, how do you deal with that in the light of Jesus' words, uh, the devil came to bring death and destruction, but I am come that you might have life. Well, I realize um, he showed me that we are all under that same uh, death warrant, death uh, mm-hmm. uh, warrant. Not one of us is going to get out of here alive. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, on, only the sinless, and there was only one. Uh, his son, uh, who who was was the first to uh, to raise to be, to to be risen, and um, I think that uh, you know others of us uh, will do the same when when he returns. And he was That's called the promise. Living Word. He was called Amen. the Living Word, or the Word made flesh, dwelling among us, that we might see His yes. glory and uh, give Him glory and live according to His precepts. All right, let's shift now to this particular uh, issue of Christian history. Uh, Give us a thumbnail sketch of what you see this uh, particular magazine uh, telling us. Well, it's so interesting that you would ask me that question because I actually made a list. (laughs) Okay. Because, uh, Because what struck me is that in the lead article, titled Whose Bible? And isn't that an interesting question? Yeah, it is. Um, the article is about how we interpret the Bible, 
And um, in this one article alone, uh, it covers issues that we are dealing with today mm-hmm. because we are seeing that we are in, uh, in, I believe we're seeing that we're in the end time. Right. And this is going going to happen very quickly. And I don't know that, that he may be, um, you know, rescuing me early. Um, if he is, Father, you can take me any time. Please, please do so uh, and do it quickly. Uh, if not, if this is if, if this is a trial, um, I'm so grateful for it, um, and uh, I look forward to that day uh, in His second coming that that um, I would be one of those uh, living who would who would be raised with Him mm-hmm. uh, or to Him in the sky. But listen to these issues that this one article deals with. And tell me if these are contemporary, and this is if this is a timely issue. First of all, um, it, it, the, this Bible um, and and what we read in this in this article has to do, first of all, with the fact that we are blessed to be able to read the Bible ourselves, to hold it in our hands, and read it ourselves. That's something that only happened after around 1500 with the printing press and with other developments, mm-hmm. and also the Reformation that gave us, re- released so many of us from the Catholic Church, which said, uh-uh, you can't understand it, you need a priest to understand it. Well, we don't, we, because the veil has been torn at, the resurre- at, at, at his death, and we now can go directly to him, uh, have direct access, and we have one teacher, by the way, Mark, uh, Mark uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 23, he tells us that we have one teacher, even Jesus, and the rest of us are all brethren. So we can read as individuals the Bible and understand it for ourselves. Uh, secondly, uh, no state religion. This nation is the first and only where we have no state religion. So we don't have a state telling us uh, whether we can or cannot read it, read the, the Bible, whether we are uh, uh, able to have freedom of religion uh, given to us by God Almighty or by the state. No, we have it. We have that right from God. The state uh, has nothing to do with that, thankfully, right. uh, because they can take something away. And then the end of slavery, which was, of course, was the, I think, the, the, the greatest challenge for this nation, and it needed to go through the Civil War to um, free ourselves from slavery, because as long as we sanctioned slavery, we were all slavery. Uh, we were all victims of the sin of slavery. Well, as as and long that, as we sanctioned Roe versus Wade and abortion, we were also all captives of that. 600,000, about 630,000 lost their lives in the Civil War. About 63 yeah. million have lost their lives in the abortion war. Yes, and thank you for that reminder. That is very poignant point. Um, the fourth issue is a, a huge issue as well: uh, women's liberation. My goodness, um, who did Satan speak to at the beginning? Uh, he spoke to a woman, and sin came into this world because she made a very, very poor choice. We're still, still to, to this very day. This is first and foremost uh, among all of the liberation movements is the women's liberation. That, that has 
you know, comes to the forefront in, in, in deciding, you know, whose Bible is this that we're reading? Mm-hmm. And then the actual uh, concept of nation building is, uh, is also discussed. Not only that, but the actual deity of Christ himself is taken up because um, in translations of the Bible, the translation of a single word uh, has been uh, argued, or a single phrase has been argued, that the Bible actually withdrew from its uh, authority in claiming that uh, Jesus Christ is deity, that he's not a man, that, uh, that he's a man and he is also God. And finally, the culture war. The culture war that we are in today, which, which it, it is apparently deciding, we are in the process of deciding every issue of authority that you can think of, because the authority that has created our civilization is the authority of the Bible. And if we lose the authority of the Bible, if we refuse to acknowledge and to live under the authority of the Bible, then uh, we are lost. Well, that's true. And isn't it interesting that when I read that quotation from, uh, I think it was uh, Daniel Webster, either that or it was Noah Webster, three times in one paragraph, he repeated the word authority, authority, authority. And that's what we rebel against and have been rebelling against in this country since the 1960s. And so when you talk about the culture war, the culture war is really wrapped around a rebellion against biblical authority. If you want to distill it, that's what it is, isn't it? Yes, indeed. And actually, it started back in the days of Plymouth Rock, because very shortly after Bradford and his people came on the Mayflower, another group came. And who were they? Secular humanists. Isn't that, that interesting? just a few miles away. And, and uh, in time, by the time we got to the 50s, we forgot. Uh, why did we forget? Well, we did what we always do, and that is we, we, we stopped reading our Bibles and we stopped reading our history, and we, we began to suffer uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the result right. of for, uh, losing our, our knowledge of history uh, we came to the day that we would suffer. And, of course, there's the famous, the famous quote that we will suffer. Um, uh, the, 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 same le- the same missed lesson over and over again if we, if we uh, lose, the his- uh, lose the knowledge of our history. Right. Well, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And uh, that's exactly what you're trying to say. So yeah. we're, we're at a point now where the real issue before us is, will we or will we not restore the authority of the Word of God in our individual lives? We say we want to restore it in the nation. If we're not willing to restore it in our individual lives, we're not really willing to restore it in the nation. If we're not willing to restore it in our congregations, we're not willing to restore it in the nation. So if Jesus says, for instance, whoever divorces their spouse causes them to commit adultery, 
and whoever marries the one so divorced commits adultery, and we say, yes, but. We are part of the problem and are at the heart of the culture wars, diminishing the authority of the Word of God. Yes, and today we found uh, we are standing before the question, can we read our own Constitution and see that the so-called right to have an abortion does not exist? in the Constitution. It simply is not there. I'm glad that you brought that up, because in reality, the Bible is the world's great Constitution. It is the overarching Constitution of all Constitutions, and it's for all men, but it's not subject to individual or private interpretation. And that's where we run into problems. We'll talk more about that when we get back. Our special guest, Michael Austin, Christian History Magazine, and he's going to make it available to you, and you need to seize upon the opportunity to get it. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a For Pastors Only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Michael Austin joining us together uh, today again from his uh, prayerful partial recovery from pancreatic cancer as he's fighting the good fight of faith, uh, coming to us uh, amid weakness because the Lord is strong. And he wants to promote the wonderful nature of this magazine, Christian History Magazine. How can people get a hold of it, Michael? Well, the website, of course, uh, www.christianhistorymagazine.org. And on that website, uh, folks will see uh, a reader so that you can read, uh, turn the pages page by page to read this entire issue. And in fact, all of the previous issues. So uh, with the exception of one or two, 143 issues. Contained on well, the I'll tell you one thing, Michael. I have saved almost all of these issues uh, mm. and collected them because they're so valuable. Well, you are you are a special individual, but you know what? I, I uh, encounter people that have done that uh, on occasion, and it's amazing to uh, to, uh, to to think that uh, people have done that. Such so such a great magazine to hold in your hand because it's so richly illustrated, uh, beautifully um, uh, illustrated Mm -hmm. by uh, photography, artwork that it's very famous for. So it's a pleasure to have. And I'm so glad that you have that collection. You can share that with your friends. And uh, isn't it it a pleasure 
well, to yeah. uh, just to spend time with it. And it's it's not boring at all. That's what's no, I, no. I'd rather pick this up than America's news magazines because this has content that can change your life. This has content that edifies. This has content that informs and even transforms. So uh, I, it, it's done so wonderfully. And you said it can be obtained on the website, christianhistorymagazine.org. Yes, and by the way, you cannot purchase a subscription. You can only subscribe by donation. Okay. And so the, the donors and the supporters of the ministry want people to know those who have a financial issue and um, are unable to make a donation, just ignore those opportunities as you go through the process of signing up and registering for a uh, subscription, and it will be sent to you at no cost at all. Michael, tell us when this magazine actually got started. 1982, wow. the founder, Ken Curtis, who was a filmmaker, he was a, one of the producers of the um, uh, Cross, uh, cross um, what, oh boy. Crossing the, uh, the Switchblade? Thank you, thank you. Cross, crossing the Switchblade, that's right. Okay. The story of David Wilkerson. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, you know, his ministry to the gangbangers in New York City. Uh, and he realized in the course of making and, and producing and distributing that film that Christians just did not know very much about their history. And so he started this magazine, uh, recognizing that weakness in the body, and boy, did he do something significant. Um, this magazine is being recognized uh, over and over again by people today who are realizing how important our history is. And by the way, um, I'm exhibiting a symptom of chemo, because mm. you're hearing me, uh, you know, uh, my memory is not what it should be. Now, I recover from that memory uh, loss and, and, that, and that damage uh, on a two-week basis. But mm. on Monday here, I'm going to go in and get another treatment. And so um, uh, we do recover. And it, isn't it amazing? Uh, because one of my prayers uh, is, is, Father, after you created this world, uh, the heaven and the earth, you scoop down, you, you, you uh, stoop down. And you scooped up the perfect mixture of elements that you have created, and you formed Adam in your image, and then you breathed life into him and made man. And because of that, because we live in a world in which we are a part of every part of it, but because of the way he made us, he can heal us. And he does that. He restores us. So I, mm. I just... Praise him and thank him. And uh, I say to him uh, nightly, you know, uh, Father, if you will it, you can take this cancer away. Nevertheless, thy will be done. The most important thing that we have is his will and his truth. Yeah. And uh, I, I encourage people to, um, to do what uh, our Lord Jesus, his son, uh, said powerfully and, and with authority when he started his ministry, and that is to, to believe. First of all, to believe. Uh, first first uh, one of the Ten Commandments, and secondly, um, to repent. Yeah, that's, to that's what God calls us to do. That's what the Bible is about. It's not just to inform us, it's to transform us. Uh, and uh, so that's why 
what you and I talk about periodically is so important. Uh, interestingly, I bet people did not know that there was actually a riot over the use of the King James Bible uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah. The city of brotherly love had a riot in 1844 over the use of the King James Bible in public schools. Why was that, Michael? Well, it's so amazing to even think that there would be riots in the street over an issue such as this. That's how thoroughly, <laughs> that's how thoroughly Christian the culture was at that time. Can you imagine? Pistols drawn, uh, sabers drawn, and uh, a riot in the street of, of Philadelphia because of the revision of the King James Bible that were coming in to this country at that time. And we're talking about uh, early 1700s. This was before the forming of, uh, before the actual nation was declared, before the Revolutionary War. Uh, and you know who was the greatest influence on our culture? Was our great friend um, Whitfield, George Whitfield made 13 trips to this nation across the Atlantic uh -huh. to preach to the American public. And he did so. The, the, our, our Heavenly Father gave him a gift. He could speak uh, at, the, at, at the edge of a cornfield to practically half the cornfield filled with, with uh, maybe 1,500, 2,000 people with, without a, a PA system. Can you imagine? So he did that all over the eastern seaboard, which was forced at that time. Well, he had to um, have some kind of a radio voice, didn't he? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> you know, what a, what, a, what a gift. What a gift. Here are and, some, um, in, here's some interesting facts uh, going back uh, to the beginning. Uh, the, the first uh, King James Bible was brought over in 1607 in Virginia. Uh, but then in 1630 in Massachusetts, a lawyer who became governor, John Winthrop, uh, the one who gave us that uh, famous city on a hill uh, illustration, yeah. brought his yeah. own personal copy of the King James Version. And uh, then it was considered so strange because most of the Puritans had what was called the Geneva Bible. Geneva. Now, yeah. the Geneva Bible is the one that had the column notes by John Calvin. And so mm -hmm. that now we understand it was the first study Bible <laughs> in America, uh -huh. but it also it, it helps us to understand how Calvinism was injected uh, directly into the bloodstream of America. It came on the column margins of the Geneva Bible. Yeah, yeah, how extraordinary. Now you're taking me back to this first article, whose Bible um, was it? And uh, uh, just filled with with this amazing, these amazing facts, these amazing uh, things that took place, uh, not the least of which was a Bible called the Woman's Bible. <laughs> um, I mean, does anybody know that the Women's Liberation Movement was started uh, in the late 1700s in this amazing country that was all about liberty at that time, all about freedom, and um, one group after another realizing, why did they realize this? 
that they were free? Why did they realize that um, that they had a, 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 a father in heaven that wanted them to be free and had freed his people out of Egypt in, in order for them to be free? Well, these, these were people that were reading their Bible. And so... Um, uh, that that was ri- uh, written, by the way, by Stanton. Um, uh, it, you know, in um, uh, 1895, uh, the Women's Bible, and it, sh- it sent shockwaves throughout the nation that um, that women would would actually write a book <laughs> about the Bible, speak freely about uh, the issues brought up in the Bible. And, and this began, uh, this began a, a movement that we're still uh, immersed in today. We, we still haven't figured out. And yeah, struggling, fact, struggling today, with. We, 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 can't, we have a, a Supreme Court justice who can't figure out what a woman is. Isn't that amazing? It's just amazing. It's called a reprobate mind, and the Bible talks about that, too, in Romans chapter 1. Interestingly, if you go back to 19, I believe it was 1995, uh, it was uh, George Gallup who went down to the Christian Booksellers Convention in Dallas, Texas, and he gave a speech there, and he said, at that time, 1995, that was the year we launched this radio program 27 years ago, he said... Mm. America has become a nation of biblical illiterates. That was in 1995. That was 12 years after Congress had declared the year of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So you can see what the trajectory was. Congress was determining, had determined that the Bible needed a postmortem. In other words, it was dying in America. Well, you know, just a couple of years ago, um, there was the Museum of the Bible that was established by this wonderful family that uh, right. owns the uh, Hobby Lobby business. Um, and, uh, you know, when these things happen, when you have a buy a museum I'm going to have to pick up on, hold that thought till after the break. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. In 1961, the Supreme Court outlawed prayer in the public schools. In 1962, the Supreme Court outlawed Bible reading in the public schools. In 1982, 
The Supreme Court outlawed the Ten Commandments on public buildings. Are you beginning to understand how the foundations for the rebellion of the 1960s took place? The sexual rebellion, the rebellion against all authority? It was well ensconced already in the Supreme Court. Today, we have some indication there might be at least a measure of recovery of sense, biblical sense, maybe. The question is, what will we do with it? What will we do with it? Well, I welcome you back to Viewpoint, our special guest, Michael Austin, representing Christian History Magazine. Michael, you were uh, in the process of talking there, and I had to interrupt. Well, um, remind me of Well, I... (laughs) I, I'm not going to remind you because I'd have to remind myself first. So uh, I had to catch you right in the middle of uh, of a sentence, and that's very hard. So here's what we're, here's what I want to do. One of the things that you kept referring back to this initial uh, article, the opening article in the latest issue of uh, Christian History, uh, whose Bible is this? And one of the the issues or factors related to that is the concept of interpretation. The scripture says that no scripture is of any private interpretation, but all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for instruction, reproof, for correction, and righteousness that the man of God may be made perfect, truly furnished to every good work. No Prophecy or word of the scripture is of any private interpretation. So why do we have such a problem with interpretation then? Well, that's, that's such a, an, a huge concept that we, we need to grasp. Well, here I thought you were going to give us the answer in a nutshell. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know... I'm putting you to the test, Michael. There, there is so much, biblically speaking, if you will, uh, biblically speaking, there is a blessing and there is a curse. So what, what happened was when I call it the, the uh, let's see, I, I think I wrote this word down. It, it's the, uh, the deregulation of uh, Bible interpretation. Mm. took place the deregulation now when you when you start to deregulate uh it can be a blessing because you can discover all kinds of things that the establishment has hidden from you right and of course the the establishment uh when you look at the history of of the, of the faith um uh, over half of that that uh, historical 2,000 years was dominated by the Catholic Church, and they were hiding the the truth of the Bible from people, and they were actually teaching a um, a, a fake version. Um, to protect me, but, power, uh, perks, and position. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so what happened was, because of this incredible Reformation, we started reading it for ourselves, and then by the time America was founded, it was completely deregulated, and uh, there were people that were uh, interpreting the Bible in ways that, that obviously, they, they had gone off the reservation. 
Well, some people would call that the democratization of the Bible or the faith. Yes, and mob rule starts uh, yeah. coming in. And then you uh, had, and then you had some of these wild, uh, bushy-haired Germans over there oh who introduced uh, what they called higher criticism, and mm-hmm. that was the most obtuse form of unregulated interpretation, to where you yes. could insert any kind of interpretation you wanted, regardless of what the text actually said. The, uh, the work of Satan, uh, without, a, without a doubt. And um, that, that, by the way, that culture is where, uh, that, that culture also gave birth to the Frankfurt School, mm-hmm. um, who hated God and um, hated uh, authority and produced uh, Marxism. Yeah. Was one of the contributors produced Marxism and this, and so voila! What do we have today? We have a culture war, uh, and it's the same culture war that uh, we see in Genesis three, where the authority of uh, the Creator was introduced into the world, uh, or, or the uh, the question, the questioning of the authority. Right. Hath God said? Were the words? Hath God said? Yep. Mm-hmm. As God said, and the, and the people subtle, said yes, but yeah, exactly. And to this day, a lot of people don't realize that that is that that question is um, is is a denial of the authority. That right. question in, in itself is denial of the authority, and that's where and it so, all began, and it's continuing on to this day, and uh, it's reinterpreted to say what has God said when in fact. People aren't really interested in knowing what God has said. They want it to be interpreted as what they want God to have said. So I want to share with you, Michael, I don't know if you're aware of this, but on our website, uh, we put together a one-page document called Basic Rules for Interpretation of the Scriptures or Any Document. Basic Rules or interpretation of the scriptures, or any document. And the reason we say any document is because lawyers have had to establish these basic concepts of interpretation in order to have any kind of order and trustworthiness when analyzing any kind of a doctrine. For for instance, we'll start with this. A document or passage should be taken at its face value unless... Unless what? Unless it is unclear on its face, unless its intent is more clearly understood in the larger context of the whole, unless its intent is more clearly understood in the context of the practices and customs existing at the time of its writing and Mm. unique to the parties addressed in the document or passage. So that's just the beginning. The context for any scripture, verse, or passage is both the specific book in which it occurs and also the entire Bible. That's where most people, a lot of people miss it, including pastors. The next, when interpretation of a passage is in question, that interpretation that is most clearly consistent with the entire Bible should be sought. Mm -hmm. That's how people have blessed divorce and remarriage because they went to certain passages 
and decided mm-hmm. to adopt them while ignoring everything else the Bible said. So yeah. the whole document is on our website, saveus.org. Friends, you can print it out. Uh, you can read it. You can pass it out. You can use it in your Sunday school ca- class. You can give it to your, your pastor. Uh, basic rules for interpretation of the scriptures or any document. That will save us a world of hurt and, I might say, deception. All right, Michael, we're down toward the end of the road here in our conversation today. One of the things that I particularly like in the Christian History Magazine is at the very center of each issue is a like a time uh, chart of all of the developments that were pertinent to the issues of this particular issue. And uh, here we have a book for the church, how American Christians have interpreted, sung for the Bible, taught, and sometimes fought over the Bible. And from 1607 all the way to 1994, we have uh, this picture of how these things developed. I, I find that absolutely fascinating. It's a great feature. It's the centerfold of the magazine. It's there in each of the magazines, and it's so helpful and so edifying um, to have this. Uh, yeah, it's a great resource. In order to comprehend uh, what really uh, this book, the Bible, had at least its significance in the mind and heart of our earliest founders. And since the magazine does say America's book, I want to go back Mm -hmm. to our sixth president. Before he became president, he was the ambassador to Russia from the U.S. In September of 1811, John Quincy Adams wrote this letter to his son from St. Petersburg, Russia. I want to read it. This information gave me real pleasure, for so great is my veneration for the Bible, and so strong my belief that when duly read and meditated on, it is of all the books in the world that which contributes most to make men good, wise, and happy, that the earlier my children begin to read it, the more steadily they pursue the practice of reading it throughout their lives. The more lively and confident will be my hopes that they will prove useful citizens of their country respectable members of society, and a real blessing to their parents. Friends, do you realize what's happening in our families? We haven't done this. He says, I have myself for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once every year. My custom is to read four to five chapters every morning immediately after rising from my bed. It takes me about an hour of my time. It is essential, my son, In order that you may go through life with comfort to yourself, usefulness to your fellow creatures, that you should form and adopt certain rules or principles for the government of your own conduct and temper. It is in the Bible. You must learn them, and from the Bible, how to practice them. Then he writes another three or four paragraphs, signed, John Quincy Adams. That is the subject of his entire lengthy letter to his son from St. Petersburg, Russia. Mm. So timely. And, um, and you know, you, that, that is timely in 
every day uh, across the last 2,000 years. All right. Isn't that extraordinary? It, it's extraordinary. In fact, what you didn't know is that just a few days ago, we had an interview with a longtime friend of mine who has spent uh, the last uh, 15 years in Russia, in St. Petersburg, and he was mm. calling and joining us from St. Petersburg. We called it uh, From Russia with Love. And uh, fascinating, fascinating conversation. Uh, and interestingly, the Christian faith was once deemed to be the very heart and soul of what it meant to be a Russian. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. It, but it was also once deemed to be the heart and soul of what it meant to be an American. Well, we are finding on a daily basis today, we are living in extraordinary time. And um, it, it's such a blessing to explore these, these historical uh, milestones, these moments in time when Christians uh, have expressed how they have been, um, how they have come to know the God of the universe and, and, and what he means to them and what he means to their life and how, and how essential it is. We must never, ever again uh, consider uh, faith and, and the institution of the church to be a non-essential industry in the United States of America or across this globe. And that, that has to begin. A, that has to begin in your home. It has to begin in yes. my home. It has to begin yes. in my life. If we just make this a theory and don't practice it every single day, we're just nothing yes. but hypocrites and cannot expect anything other than ever increasing culture wars. Friends, Amen. Christian History Magazine. Get it on the web, christianhistorymagazine.org. You can uh, sign up for it there. You can actually look at it online. What a blessing it will be. I don't think you will be disappointed. Thank you again, uh, Michael, for joining us, coming off that sick bed to join us. And uh, God bless you, my friend, and uh, be strong in your life. We'll be right back with you tomorrow. Next week, friends. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.